Hey friend, I am super glad that you are here on today's podcast episode. As always, I am so thankful for you guys uh, just showing up and listening to the podcast, sharing feedback, all the things. So on today's podcast episode, it's actually a fan favorite. It's one that I recorded a while back and it over time has just been one of the most downloaded podcasts that I've ever released over the course of the last year or so. Um, and it's super relevant because it had to do with top tax deductions that you're definitely going to want to use between now and the end of the year when you still have time to reduce your taxes. So I hope you love it as much as I do. And also wanted to let you know that over the next month or so, we will be working on rebranding the podcast. It's going to be super awesome and exciting. I cannot wait to reveal it to you. Um, and the last thing I want to let you know before we jump into today's episode is that since the time of this recording, we have released the Tax Savings Institute, which really helps you maximize your tax deductions, maximize your ability to reduce your taxes significantly. And it is now live. We launched it, oh, I guess about a month, a month and a half or so ago now. It's live though, and it is out in the interwebs and definitely something that if you are wanting to reduce your taxes and really make sure that you're not overpaying the government, you should jump in. So. That link is in the show notes below. You want to go ahead and go grab that and sign up because it's some amazing, amazing, amazing good stuff that you definitely don't want to miss out. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. If you're a small business owner and you want to make sure that you are getting all the tax deductions that are legally available to you to reduce your taxes, then this is the episode for you. We are going to talk about the top five tax savings strategies and deductions that you should be taking as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur. These are strategies that I feel like just about everybody should be using. So if this is you and you want to make sure that you are getting all the tax deductions possible, then listen up. Hey friend, welcome to the Small Business Finance Podcast. Do you want confidence and clarity with your business finances? Do you find yourself up late at night searching for tax deductions, how to track your business finances, or QuickBooks tips? Do you wake up with big ambitious goals, but you end up feeling confused and frustrated because accounting and tax is really boring? Hi, I'm Tiffany. I've heard this so many times from my clients who used to feel this way. They felt overwhelmed about what to do with their numbers and wish they could stop the financial madness. They wanted clarity and the ability to grasp the financial basics, know the protocol, when they had a question and to stop worrying about owing money to the IRS. But they thought they weren't good with numbers and the overwhelm kept them stuck without any solid financial plan until they realized that business systems are the ticket to gaining financial confidence. In this podcast, you will learn step-by-step -step systems, easy to understand financial tips, and mindset transformation so that you will gain financial confidence as an entrepreneur. So dust off your spreadsheet, warm up your coffee, and let's get going. Today, we're talking about the top tax deductions that you should be taking as an entrepreneur. By no means is this list exhaustive. And um, frankly, I can probably do a series about tax deductions that you should be taking as an entrepreneur and maybe I will do that in the future. But today I just really wanted to talk about the ones that you should be taking. These are the ones that really every small business owner should be taking. And so if you're not taking these tax deductions, then jot some notes down because you're definitely going to want to include this on your tax return when it's due in the spring. Um, you can even take notes and take it to your own CPA or tax professional to, to bring it to them so that they know that you need help in these areas. Frankly, one of the things that I see 
with small business owners and entrepreneurs, especially when they're really new in business, you just don't know what you don't know. And so the more that you can arm yourself with knowledge, the more that you can make it your business to understand parts of your business that you just don't understand, the better. The reality is, is that we all have blind spots. We all have areas that we're not as good at as others. And so what is the saying? You're only as strong as like your weakest link. And so if tax and accounting is your weak link, then I'm super excited that you're here because you will get stronger. This will become a muscle that strengthens over time. As you learn more, you're going to become more confident. You're going to get the clarity that you need. So let's jump in with these top tax deductions. Very first one that you should be taking as an entrepreneur is business use of the home. So this is one of those tax deductions that can get a lot of flack. It's kind of interesting because to me, it's a pretty basic tax deduction that everybody should be getting, um, especially post COVID when so many people work from home now. And maybe before you had a business and you actually had an office or maybe even like a co-working space and now you don't do that anymore. Or maybe you've always just had a business office in your home. Regardless of what those scenarios are, if you have a legitimate office in your home that you're using to operate your business out of, then you should be using this deduction. I didn't realize until I started my practice a few years ago how triggering, I guess, this is for some CPAs and tax professionals. It's kind of interesting. There are, I guess, a subset of CPAs that think that this is an audit red flag. I have never seen that in my practice that this deduction is something that is going to trigger the IRS to audit you. The ticket with anything to make sure that you're not going to get audited is to make sure that you're tracking things properly, that it is a legitimate deduction. So if you check the box in those areas, then there's really no reason that you shouldn't be taking it. So what is a deduction and what do you need in order to take it? A couple of things. So if you are a small business that really has not, you've not incorporated Maybe you're an LLC, but you have like you're not filing as an S corp. You're not filing as a partnership. It's actually pretty straightforward because in that scenario, there's two different ways you can take this deduction. Number one is called the simplified method. This method is literally what it means, like what it says. You basically put in how many square feet your office is, and there's a certain dollar amount per square feet that the IRS will give you for a deduction. And so it's super simple and easy to take. As long as your office is not shared with a bedroom or a big space that is combined with some other functionality, like if it is an office in and of itself with nothing else in there, then it's pretty straightforward. You can do the simple deduction, which literally means you don't have to keep any receipts. You don't have to keep any backup. You would just need to know what the square footage is. That's the path of least resistance on this deduction. If you have a bigger office or if you have a home with more expenses or something like that, there are reasons why you would want to do the actual expenses and take those instead of just a simple method. So what are some of those actual expenses you can take? You would take a percentage of your mortgage or your rent your real estate taxes, your home alarm monitoring system, your pool maintenance, your lawn maintenance, your house cleaning service. You would be able to take deductions for remodeling of your home. Really, there are so many different things that you can take as a actual cost for percentage of the business use of the home. And as long as you keep those receipts and you keep that back up, then you're covered. And essentially what you would do is for simple math, if you have a 10 by 10 office, that's 100 square feet. And if your house is a total of 1000 square feet, then that is 10% that you would take of the actual cost. So let's just say in a month, when you add up your mortgage and your real estate taxes, and your HOA fees, your lawn maintenance, your pool, etc., 
all the things I listed, let's just say for simplicity's sake, that all of those expenses are $1,000 a month. If you're able to take 10% of that, your deduction is then $100. Obviously, most people, especially now with inflation, the way that it is, rent prices going up, interest rates going up if you bought a home recently, then your costs are definitely gonna be more than $1,000 a month. So you can see where this would add up really pretty quickly. So really, again, the key is just keeping track of your backup if you decide to go that route. Now, if you are not a single member LLC, you're, you're an S Corp or you're a partnership or a C Corp, then you get the same deduction. You would have to use actual expenses. They don't allow a simplified method in that scenario. And basically what you would do is you would have to do an expense reimbursement reimbursement to get that money back to you as the business owner. Literally, you would just have an expense reimbursement form, track all those costs, write yourself a check or do a bank transfer as long as you keep that backup documentation. And then um, the cash does need to move over to you personally, if at all possible, um, so that uh, that money movement is there. The IRS does not really like it that much. If you just do an equity contribution for those expenses, it's possible. And honestly, in a pinch, you can do that, but it does not need to be all the time. The other part of this is that you want to do the reimbursement within 30 days to make sure that it's, it meets the timely criteria for the IRS. The next tax deduction that you should be taking as a small business owner is you should be paying your kids. If your kids are legitimately doing work for your business, Obviously your brand new baby is not working for the business, so you can't do that. The age on that is actually seven is when you can start paying your kids in the business. There are no child labor laws uh, if, uh, if you're a small business owner. So there are some different laws for business owners in this respect, but the key is they really have to legitimately do work for you. So maybe your teenager is helping manage your social media, or if you're like me and you have a podcast, you teach your child to edit your podcast episodes for you or maybe they send out your email blast, or they do some secretarial work. Maybe they answer the phones for you, or they schedule appointments for you. Maybe they shred papers if you're someone like me that has sensitive data that needs to be destroyed from time to time. There are honestly so many things that could be done. Uh, the main thing is, is that it has to be legitimate work. You need to document that work. So have an actual timesheet you would track that. Obviously don't make your seven-year-old track their time on a timesheet, but you do want to track that. And then the last thing I would say is that you want to make sure that you are paying them the market rate. So you can't pay your kid $100 an hour if you wouldn't pay a third party, someone that is arm's length in the transaction. You wouldn't pay a third party $100 an hour. Then you obviously wouldn't pay your child $100 an hour. So you need to make sure it's comparable with the market. And then basically what you do is you set up a bank account for them. The money gets moved into it for payroll. And then you are able to use that money for your child, for your children to pay for things that previously were just coming out of your pocket. So maybe they're in sports and they have tournament fees or they have membership dues or really a myriad of things. It could be private school tuition that you're paying for, but rather than it coming out of your bank account, it's going to come out of theirs. And essentially what that does is it shifts from your tax bracket to their tax bracket, which is obviously lower. So you're able to shift income over to them and the only tax you end up paying on it is self-employment tax. You do want to make sure you don't have them do any withholding tax 
on that check because otherwise you end up having to prepare a tax return for them to get that money back. And if the money that they make is under the standard deduction, which is a little bit more than $12,000 right now, then you don't even need to file a tax return for them. So don't withhold any money. Um, and in some states, you don't even have to pay state unemployment tax. So you might want to check in your state to see what that requirement is. But essentially, um, you end up saving a lot of money by going this route. There's actually a way that you can even not have to pay self-employment tax. I'll get into that in a future episode because I don't want to get too far into the weeds today. But this is a powerful strategy. This is really something that can make a significant difference, especially as your business grows and you're in higher tax bracket and you're making more money. This is definitely something that will move the needle. The third tax deduction that you should be taking as an entrepreneur is self-employed health insurance. So as an entrepreneur, if you have been around for any length of time, then you are probably well aware that self-employed health insurance is ridiculous. It's so expensive. <laughs> and honestly, it's probably the, the thing that frustrates me the most and so many other entrepreneurs is that it just costs so much to have health insurance. And so the IRS does give a deduction for your health insurance. It's on your 1040, actually goes on um, the first page of your, your 1040 to reduce your taxable income. Now, if your health insurance, it, so if you have a spouse that has a W-2 and they have the ability to get health insurance for you through their job, then you might not be able to take this deduction. You may or may not. You're going to have to look at the rules. There, there are some particulars really in any of these situations that you want to make sure that you handle properly. But if you are an entrepreneur and you don't have another health insurance option, you can definitely take this and it's, it's going to make a difference. I mean, honestly, it can easily be six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month, maybe even a thousand dollars a month without really even trying that hard for health insurance for you and a child or you and a spouse. Um, and even more if it's you, a spouse and a family. So this can really add up quickly and you want to make sure you're doing it right. Um, if that is how you handle it if you're a single member LLC. If you are an S-Corp and you're taking a W-2 from your S-Corp, which by the way, you need to be, that's a whole other topic. But if you're taking a W-2, then you actually need to get with your payroll company and make sure that they are taking care of your health insurance properly through your W-2. So um, you would do a couple of different things through your W-2 to make sure it's handled properly. And that's actually how it would be done versus a single member LLC where it just goes straight to page one. So if you are a partnership, then you would also handle it like a single member LLC, but you don't get a W-2 as a partnership. So that is really kind of a big one because that could easily be 10, 12, $15,000 every single year. The next thing I want to make sure that you're taking as a tax deduction as a small business owner is your startup and organizational cost. This is particularly true if you are buying a business from someone else or if you're starting a franchise or you're trying to figure out if an established business is right for you to purchase because that is going to take some due diligence and going to have more upfront costs than if you just start a business. The other thing when it comes to startup and organizational cost is you most likely are going to start an LLC. You're going to need a lawyer are going to pay for some sort of online service to help you with those documents. And so you're going to have some of those upfront costs that frankly, at that point, you probably don't have a business account because you don't have the entity organized yet. And so because of that, it's probably going through your personal account or a credit card that really could easily be forgotten about come tax time. So you do want to make sure that you are taking those deductions on your tax return because they can really add up. And the other thing is, is that if you're doing due diligence to figure out if you want to buy another business, 
or you're wanting to open a new location, you're having some travel costs and you've got to do some of this work to figure out if it's a viable option, those costs are actually deductible regardless of whether you decide to open up in that new territory or whether you decide to actually purchase that business. The IRS says that you can actually take those as a deduction, even if you decide to not go that route. So keep that in mind also. And just like I said, keep the receipts, keep all the information and back up so that come tax time, you're able to get that deduction. The last thing I want to talk about as far as deductions that you should be taking is really more all-encompassing. The IRS says that any deduction is viable, it is legal, and you should be taking it if it is ordinary and necessary. So what does that mean? Ordinary and necessary really means that it is an expense that is typical in your type of business and that it is a necessary expense in your type of business. So for example, if you are someone who does Facebook advertising, you are going to need software to help manage your clients advertising. Maybe you help them with their landing page and you have software to do that, or you have a system that you use for copywriting or whatever. There's a lot of different things that could be in that, but if those costs are typical, they're normal, they're ordinary for your type of business, then they are deductible. Other examples, if you're a realtor and you give your clients a little gift basket, upon closing the house. That would be an ordinary and necessary business expense in your industry. If you're a lawyer and you go downtown to the courthouse and you pay for parking fees and tools to get there, those are ordinary and necessary expenses for you. If you're in business and you are doing training and seminars, really just trying to hone your skills and learn more. And frankly, if you're an entrepreneur, that's probably something you do regularly, those are ordinary and necessary expenses. Commissions, postage, contract labor. Really, I could go on and on about different deductions that you can and should be taking as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. And really, again, the litmus test is if it's ordinary and necessary. Now, sometimes it can get a little gray um, because there are things in your particular industry or your particular business that you think are ordinary and necessary. What I would say is if it's not a standard practice, if it's not something that is typical in most entrepreneurial basis, then you just need to make sure that you document, document, document. That really is the key. You want to make sure that you are able to prove under audit that this really is something that you needed to do in your business. That really is the standard for any business, any entrepreneur, you've got to make sure that you are tracking everything, that you're keeping receipts, that you're making sure things are legitimate. And if you're doing those things and you're doing it the right way, then really that's all you can do. And then if you ever get audited, it's really a matter of just having the right professional there that's going to help you and represent you and making sure that you're taken care of when it comes to representation in front of the IRS. And most likely that won't ever happen. Hopefully it won't. But in the event that it, that it does, You've done everything that you can to make sure that you are covered. So I hope this has been helpful today. And if you have found this to be great, helpful information to you, I would love it so much if you would share this podcast with a friend, just shoot them a text and then let them know that they will love this information. It's been helpful to you. I would also love it if you would subscribe to the show so that you can follow along on this journey and get more information, more confidence, more clarity in your own small business finances. And then lastly, if you have any questions, anything that you're not sure about, if there's a deduction that you're like, man, I wonder if I can take that with my business, shoot me an email. The email is in the show notes. I would absolutely love to answer your 
your question in a future episode. And I just want to say I'm so thankful for you and that you spent your time today listening to my podcast. And I really cannot wait until next time.